to the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, uh, just thank you so much for this day that you've gathered your people together in this place and in places across the world to to glorify Jesus, to, to lift up the name of Jesus, to make yourself known to us. And you are good and you are full of love and mercy and compassion and kindness. God, just make that make us aware of who you are this morning and, and let our hearts like praise you and adore you and be swept away in who you are and, and let it change us. Make us more and more like you. Let us live like knowing who you are, knowing you're present with us, knowing that we're your children. Lord, this morning as we jump into this next part of the Lord's Prayer, I pray that you speak. I pray that you say what you want to say to each one of us. Just open our ears to hear what you have for us and that you, uh, you just continue to lead us to, to be transformed into Christ-likeness. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the, the fourth week of our journey together through the Lord's Prayer as it's found in Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. And so we've prayed and we've kind of learned together this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where we've gotten so far. And today we're going to continue with the prayer of give us this day our daily bread. That's in Matthew 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. The prayer seems to sort of change in tone here. Like if the Lord's Prayer is an outline of how to pray, then this is where we generally start to insert our prayer requests. So there's kind of a felt shift in the prayer as it moves into uh, making our requests and our supplications of God. Some have noted that the Lord's Prayer seems to follow uh, what Jesus said were the greatest commandments. Right, The first half of the prayer being focused more on the first commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And then the second uh, half of the prayer focuses more on the second commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. And and that's where this prayer, or it kind of makes that turn to that second half, uh, starting with this week's prayer. I don't know. But I do think that walking through the first few lines of the prayer that we've already been through, where we recognize that God is our Father, that, that we are His children, that we together are His family, and that he's present with us, and that he's working in and even through us and and beyond us in his work to make all things new. I I think that it may, for some, now seem like a bit trivial to just begin asking God to provide like our basic needs for the day or or any other request that we might have for that matter. It's possible to get lost in like the grandness of who God is and what he's doing so much so that we very quickly forget that we are his children and he is our father and that children ask their father for what they want and what they need without prompting, without reservation. It's what they do naturally and there's something beautiful in that. Of course, we may also come to pray with like a laundry list of requests and worries and desires and so we just speed through the first part of the prayer or maybe we skip it all together only to get here is that okay i'd say yeah it's okay of course it's okay to run in and to tell your father what you need but we do run the risk of forgetting who he is at all if we only 
run in with requests and never spend time with him otherwise. We risk forgetting the nature of his relationship with us and the heart from which he answers us. In other words, he isn't just our wish granter. He isn't just our genie in a bottle. He's our heavenly father. And he says yes, and he says no, and he says otherwise to the request that we make, but he isn't withholding. He's just good and loving and kind beyond our understanding. And if we only rush in with requests and never commune with him as God in heaven who is our father and who's present with us, then we risk misunderstanding him and his answers to our own detriment. Give us this day our daily bread is certainly a prayer request, but I think there's more to it. What are we really meant to be praying when we pray, give us this day our daily bread? What was Jesus teaching us to pray here? I believe there's some really good news like hung on these words that's meant to meet us as we pray this prayer and as we pray our request. Jesus' teaching never fails to be incredibly profound. And, and maybe it seems like kind of ridiculous just to point that out. I mean, he's God in the flesh. Of course he's brilliant. Of course he's a great teacher. But I do think that often we, we forget that. Nevertheless, Jesus wasn't just throwing around words when he taught his disciples to pray. His words carried so much in them. So with that in mind, I just want us to break this part of the prayer down and take a closer look this morning at the words that Jesus taught us to pray. So first, I want us to consider the meaning of our daily bread. And then second, I want to talk about the words this day. And then lastly, we'll return to the beginning and consider the words give us. So first off, let's consider how Jesus leads us to pray for our daily bread. We get the idea, right? We need to ask God to provide the things that we need. But why those words? Why bread in particular? When Jesus taught his disciples to pray for their daily bread, it wasn't just like a random example of something that they might need to have provided for them. Those words are meant to recall the story of Israel in the wilderness and God's provision of manna, of bread from heaven. Let me read you just a couple verses from that story. It's found in Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 4. It says this, it says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people should go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. When I read, when I read back over that this week in my office, I literally like just started laughing out loud, right? Because it's just, I don't know, to me, it's just so absurd. There's a lot of absurdity there. I mean, these people have just been freed from slavery and not by normal circumstances, by any stretch of the imagination, right? They've been freed from the Egyptians by the plagues, right? Through, the, through God's sending of the plagues. They've left, they've walked through the parted Red Sea By some miracle, the sea parts, they walk through it, it collapses back on the Egyptians who are pursuing them. And they've been following a pillar of fire. Like God is obviously with them. And now they're complaining and they wish that they would have still been slaves, 
because then, though they were oppressed and they were enslaved, they could have at least eaten from the meat pots. And so to me, like the complaining, the complaining just sounds so absurd. And also a meat pot doesn't sound very appetizing to me. But God's answer seems just as absurd to me. His response is, I'm going to rain bread down from heaven. Right? I'm going to rain bread down from heaven for you. I mean, that's like, that's out there, right? Nobody would have expected that answer. Nobody asking for their daily bread would have expected the answer to be bread raining down from the sky. There's certainly a lesson there about how God answers in his way and not ours. But the, but the thing I actually really want us to notice here isn't all of that. It's God's provision of this bread that rains down from heaven and his instructions to gather a day's portion. He will make it rain bread daily and there to gather it daily. And if you look into it further, they're not to keep any extra or else it goes bad by the next day, except for on the sixth day of the week, when they're preparing for the Sabbath, God will make it rain a double portion of bread, and that double portion won't go bad. He's in complete control of the bread rain, basically. So God made bread rain from heaven daily to provide for his people in the wilderness. Now, let's turn back to the New Testament. John, chapter 6, verses 29 through 35. This scene takes place the morning after Jesus fed five thousand people plus through the miracle of breaking five loaves of bread and two fish and overnight he went across the sea and then the next morning the people come and find him and they come asking how to do the work of God and Jesus responds saying this John chapter 6 verses 29 through 35 this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent so they said to him then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. (laughs) So the people demanding Jesus to do another miracle to prove that he is the one sent from God reference the story of God providing manna in the wilderness, which we just read in Exodus. And basically they're saying, hey, that's the kind of thing that God does. Now do something like that. Make it rain bread. And then we'll, we'll believe. And this is how Jesus responds. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see, Jesus made this huge claim. He doesn't need to make it rain bread from heaven because he has come from heaven and he is the bread of life. Like the manna in the wilderness wasn't what was life-giving. It was learning to recognize God as the giver and sustainer of life. It was learning to lean on God for his daily provision and to trust him wholly. Like whenever they tried to keep the bread in case God didn't provide the next day, it would get worms in it and it would stink and it would rot. But when they followed what he said and they trusted him, it was good to eat. They were always provided with what they needed. So Jesus, here in the New Testament, claiming to be God come to earth, tells these people in John 6 to only 
Trust him. To wholly lean on him, and he will always be, he will always give them whatever they need. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So now, if you're hanging with me, and we go back to the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. It isn't only a random example of a request that they might make. I mean, there's some really good news that's tied up in this prayer. Jesus is the bread of life. He is our daily bread. And so as we pray this prayer daily, we are meant to be reminded over and again that he is actually all we need and that he's more than enough for us. And though we think we know what we need, what we find is that we are really quite limited. Our Father is the God who makes bread rain down from heaven. We wouldn't even have thought to pray for that. Our Lord is the bread of life that came from heaven to give his body and his blood to free us from Satan, sin, and death. We would have never thought to pray for that. And he not only gives us what we need for the day to sustain our bodies, he's what we needed yesterday and to t- today and tomorrow and forever, and he's not withholding from us in the slightest. He wholly gives himself to us, and he's truly all we need. I know this is a lot of information, but but here's the point. I believe that Jesus gave us these words to pray, our daily bread, so that as we pray for our daily bread and even ask God to meet our many needs, we're also like met in this request with the truth that he is our daily bread. He is our eternal provider, and we can wholly trust him. And when we're met with that good news, like it just gives us a, a confidence in our asking. Let's move on to Jesus' words of this day. It almost seems repetitive, doesn't it? Like, why pray, give us this day our daily bread? What's the difference between this day and every other day that's covered in the word daily? Well, if we recall the story from Exodus, it does seem that God's intent in providing the Israelites with manna daily was to help them focus on him each day, to help them to live this day with him and let yesterday and tomorrow just be what they are and that's because when we begin to see and we begin to experience the presence and the provision of god today we become more confident in his ability to be with us and provide for us every day so we learn to be content we learn to be satisfied in what he has for us today knowing that he is all we need and he has all that we need each day and it will always be that way. I really like how Dallas Willard says it in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, today I have God, and he has the provisions, and tomorrow will be the same. Today I have God, he has the provisions, tomorrow it will be the same. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think perhaps the whole secret to cultivating contentment is wrapped up in this prayer that God give us this day our daily bread. C.S. Lewis writes about what this prayer revealed to him personally in his book, uh, Letters to Malcolm. And he writes this, he says, It would be rash to say that there is any prayer which God never grants. But the strongest candidate is the prayer we might express in the single word, encore. And how should the infinite repeat himself? All space and time are too little for him to utter himself in them even once. 
What Lewis is talking about is how we have an experience that we find satisfying, that we find good. It becomes a great memory. It's a great highlight in our life. And then we like let it become all that we're trying to get back to. We just keep praying encore. And we find anything but the encore of our past experience to be less than satisfying. But in so doing, we are perhaps like completely missing what our Father, our infinite godly Father, has for us in this day. Of course, we may not be praying encore, which is just a prayer for some yesterday to repeat itself. Perhaps we're longing for something we've never had, but we've only imagined or we've heard that other people have experienced, and so we're not satisfied. We aren't content with what the Lord has for us today because it isn't what we had hoped for. But what if we learned to appreciate what He has for us today and to be satisfied with the results that He gives us today? Godliness with contentment is a great gain. What would we gain? I wonder how much of our life goes by unlived because we spend our hours captive to the past or to the future. I think the prayer for this day is a liberating prayer that frees us from being captive to our yesterdays and our tomorrows and lets us actually live today with him. He's our daily bread. God is present with us today. He has the provisions for today, and he will have the same tomorrow. So we're free to live with him this day. Do you see, like, the abundance of life that he provides for us? Now let's get back to the beginning of this line of the Lord's Prayer and the words, give us, give us. Most days I pick my kids up from school, And one of their favorite things to do is to stop for an after-school Frosty at Wendy's. And honestly, I love to give them Frosties. But you know, Frosty every day takes away from it being special, right? And it stops being a gift or a treat, and it becomes like an expectation. And Frosties really should be a treat because they're packed with sugar, and, and they're not good for you. And if it became an expected thing that we just did, it would be, number one, unhealthy for my kids. I'd probably create spoiled little kids, and they'd be unable to enjoy it as they do when it's a special treat, right? So they ask continually, and I say no regularly, but sometimes I say yes, and I love to say yes. I just love them too much to say yes every time, but I love to say yes, and I don't want them to stop asking because if they stopped asking for a Frosty, I mean... There's something to the asking, right? It lets me know that they want something, but it also is kind of a personal recognition of their own desires. I tell you that just to illustrate what I want us to recognize with these words, give us. And that is that learning to be content and learning to be satisfied with what our Father provides daily, it doesn't negate our making our requests known to Him. He tells us to come and to ask. And it's precisely in making our requests known that we get to know him more and more, that we get to start to see his goodness that's beyond our own, that we get to see his heart for his children, his desire to give them what they want and to help shape their desires into the very best desires they could have. We ask for our daily bread, and and we're met with the good news that he is exactly that, And he's provided all that we'll ever need. And our eyes begin to perceive and to understand our Father's loving responses. 
His love is not demonstrated only in giving us what we ask for. Just as my love for my kids is not demonstrated only in my saying yes to a frosty every day. His love is certainly demonstrated in giving us bread when we are hungry and drink when we are thirsty. But it's also expressed in Jesus dying on the cross. And it's in his defeating death and his resurrection. His love is demonstrated in his presence with us. And is giving us infinitely good and new experiences with him each day. And in his fighting for us, tooth and nail, to keep us with him and away from sin and away from idolatry and all that would seek to destroy us, which sometimes means saying no to some of the things we might ask for, even if we think it's something that we need. But we know that he knows better and he loves us too much just to say yes to everything all the time. Still, we have to pray, give us in order to begin to see how he responds always for our good and provides all that we actually need for the day. That's physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Only only then will we begin to perceive how he does all things with a great love for us and for the whole world. There is, lastly, something else here that I want us to get that I don't want us to miss this morning, and that's to notice... The us and give us, and the hour in our daily bread. Jesus' prayer teaches us to continually continually pray for and with each other. I mean, there's a lot of personal implications for our prayer life and our own outlook on each day, knowing Jesus is our daily bread. But there's also a difficult reality that this prayer pulls us back into. And that's that there are many who do not have actual bread. There are many who do not actually have water for the day. There are real needs in this world, and there is real suffering in the world. People are actually hungry. People are actually thirsty. God's kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully realized on earth as it it is in heaven. And so there are a great many needs that we have physically and spiritually and emotionally and so on because all things are not yet made new. And so when we pray, give us our daily bread, we're asking our Father to provide where provision is needed. And we're standing with and for our brothers and sisters in our community and and around the world who have great needs for today. And I think just as last week we prayed uh, for his kingdom to come on earth as, as it is in heaven. And we prayed not only that he just bring it, but that he even use us to be a part of it. So we continue in this prayer, and we, and we recognize the many unmet needs and the starvation in this world as we ask God to provide, whether it's food and water or love or freedom or justice that's needed. We must be praying that he makes us part of the provision. When we say, I'm praying for you, It ought to signal that we are going to ask God to provide and to lead us to be part of the provision. God, we we know that you are with us and that you give us all that we need. I mean, that's a prayer that frees us to be sent and to be emptied out for the sake of another because we have no fear of whether or not he's going to take care of us the way he knows is best. So this prayer, this give us this day our daily bread, should lead us to ask him the questions. How can I be a part of what you're going to provide? How can I be a part of the life-giving stuff that you rain down from heaven? 
We have all we need in Christ Jesus. And if we're led daily into that reality through this prayer, then we will daily be led to be humbled by his great provision, and we will daily be led to freely and generously be his provision for someone else. Whether that's providing a cold glass of water, or a meal, or a shoulder to cry on, or money from our pockets, or sweat from our brow, or risking something to stand up for justice, or something else. In this prayer, we ought to seek how he would lead us. What would the world be like if we were all willing to be the provision that somebody else needs? Wouldn't it be like heaven coming to earth? In what way will you be part of God's provision? I do hope that you've been practicing spending time with God by praying the Lord's Prayer with us, and I hope it's been fruitful. If you're not doing that, I'd invite you to start practicing saying the Lord's Prayer just slowly and repeatedly. Uh, we have some stickers with the prayer written, like in a labyrinth. I got it right here on my Bible, see? And there's some back there on the table. Uh, and that's just to help you, like, just to slowly guide you through it and, and to remind you to pray this way, slowly and repeatedly. So you can pick one of those up if you want. But the invitation is just to join us in that practice. We're going to close with a time of practicing the prayer together this morning as we've been doing the last few weeks. So if you're able and willing, would you stand with me? And join me in this prayer. I'm going to pray one line at a time. And I'm going to ask that you pray it with me. You, you, you respond and repeat it after me. And then I'm going to give us just a moment after each line just to comprehend what we're praying and to understand it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not to temptation. But deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to move into a time of response. The band will come and lead us in worship.
little tight back here. We're going to fix that. The band will come and lead us in worship. Um, and then we're going to come and we're going to come and we're going to take communion together as we do each week. That one's juice. And uh, when we come, I mean, today we have bread, right? And we're talking about our daily bread. What a reminder it is. He is the bread of life. He is all that we need. And we know that he will always give it. And there's nothing that he would withhold from us. Because he gave his body and he gave his blood for us. And he rose again and he defeated death. He's made us one with Christ, brothers and sisters together as part of the family of God. And that's what we're remembering when we come and when we take. That's what we're proclaiming to one another is this good news that Jesus is the bread of life and we're never going to be thirsty or hungry again and he has done great things for us. And so if you're a Christian, if you believe that, if you can say that, we invite you to come and to remember and to proclaim with us uh, in the taking of the bread and you can dip it in the wine or the juice and remember his body that was given for us and his blood that was shed for us. We invite you, whether you're a member here or not, to come and do that with us. And if that's not something you say, I hope you hear the invitation. It's for you. He's everything that you need. And you're invited to believe that and to come to him and to wholly lean on him. I'm going to pray for us. We'll move in this time together.